So I want to talk today about how hosting a podcast is like having a baby, because there are many ways that is true. Hello, and welcome to season two, episode three of the Podcast Movement Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Joel Sharpton, and yes, we are going to be talking about birth. Well, not really. We're going to be talking about giving birth to your podcast, the beginning of your podcast journey. That's what today's episode is all about. Why are beginnings on my mind? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But first, there in the opening of the show, you heard from the lovely Anna Sale, one of the amazing keynote speakers from last year, one of my favorites, truthfully. My name is Anna Sale. I am the host and managing editor of Death, Sex, and Money, a podcast from WNYC Studios. Death, Sex, and Money was introduced to me by my wife. And as a matter of fact, she only tuned into it because they were covering the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina and all of the uh, damage, devastation, and the rebuilding that has gone on and that hasn't gone on in New Orleans since that storm. An amazing podcast, no matter where you catch it or what subject they're covering. Anna Sale, though, had a wonderful keynote last year at Podcast Movement in Chicago, and we're going to be sharing a big chunk of what she had to offer us right here today. If you are not already signed up, though, you are missing your opportunity to get in at the lowest possible prices by registering today at podcastmovement.com. We've got some big speaker announcements to mention this week. We've got lots of great podcasters to hear from, but the message you need to most take away is register today for Anaheim in 2017 as Podcast Movement goes out west. There's even a new format to this year's event, and we'll talk about that some in this episode too. But right now, let's get back to Anna Sale. My show is about life transitions. It's about the hard things that we all go through, but don't always know how to talk about death, sex, and money. So there's bold questions. And it's also about why I need to know these things. So what I'm going through is woven in to the episodes as we've created them. So as I talk about podcasting today, I want to start with uh, where I am right now in my life, what's been going on with me. This is me about eight weeks ago, right before maternity leave started. You can see that I'm thrilled to be working <laughs> that late in my pregnancy. Um, so I want to talk today about how hosting a podcast is like having a baby, because there are many ways that is true. There are 10 ways that I'm going to go over. There are more I'm sure you can come up with. We're going to get all 10 of the ways that starting a podcast is like having a baby. But first of all, I wanted to crib from one of the other greats, Pat Flynn, and share a piece of my beginning, the very first podcast episode I ever recorded. It was me and my best friend, Josh Shirley, in the studios of Red Peach Radio in Ruston, Louisiana. This is in May of 2012. Welcome to Two Guys, One Podcast. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is the podcast. I think it's weird that we're doing one. And... I also think that it's weird that I've never done one before. I've never recorded a podcast. I like to talk way too much. I do radio for a living. I have written like a bajillion blogs. I spend a lot of time on the internet. Podcasting is a thing. I have never done it. On the flip side, you don't own an iPod. Have you ever owned an iPod? Yeah, yeah. I think I still have one somewhere. It's somewhere. Do you I mean, remember I, what, like, I, which one it was? Was it one of the small ones or was it one of the, the old big ones? No, no, no. I didn't. Well, that was our beginning. It was a little show called Two Guys, One Podcast, a silly little comedy show that we ended up canceling about two years later. We now do a show called Always Listening. We review podcasts, and it's a lot of fun. We're currently on hiatus, though, because 
Josh has a beginning of his own to celebrate today. He and his wife, Rachel, are, as I record this, having their first child. They're in the hospital right now. Everything's going well, the last we heard, and Lillian will be here before you know it. Since this is my best buddy's baby, I'm assuming that makes me the podfather. All right, let's get back to more from Anna Sale. How, Anna, is making a podcast like having a baby? Number one, how podcasting, hosting a podcast is like having a baby is it starts with this inexplicable urge. For ladies, you know, you know where it starts. Um, and you don't, you can't explain it because number one, it costs a lot of money. It's irrational. You don't know how to do it. Overpopulation. I mean, have you seen the iTunes charts? That thing is not stable. Podcasting is overpopulated. And there's also this sense that maybe you're missing this moment. Podcasting is huge right now. And so just like having a baby for women, you get this sense if you have this idea you want it to happen, all these questions of like, how am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? What am I in control of? You don't know the answers to that, but you know maybe if you have that feeling that it's something you want to do. When I started feeling that about podcasting, I was covering politics. This is me about four years ago, almost exactly four years ago at the Democratic National Convention. I was covering politics. I spent the whole summer going to swing states and talking to voters and asking them about how they felt. So I was hearing these incredibly compelling stories about identity and wondering if they really people fit in this moment in America in 2012 at the time. A lot of stories about economic anxiety, a lot of stories about, I used to vote this way, but then I got divorced, and now I have to pay for my kid to go to college, so I'm voting this way. They were really captivating stories. And I connected with the voters when I was doing these interviews. It really fed me. But then the stories I was producing didn't have that same quality because the tape I was collecting was one little soundbite that was going to be in a story about who was up in the polls or whose ad advertising strategy was working. It didn't, for listeners, I don't think, had that same element of really getting to know someone. And I really felt that sense of polarization and separation and alienation in this country, this kind of urge to just feel heard, to feel connected. And I wasn't feeling like I was able to do that in my work. But then comes the second way that podcasting is like having a baby. Many factors have to align, many of which you're not personally in control of. So maybe you have this idea, I'm going to have a baby. Who am I going to have a baby with? If I'm not going to have a baby with someone, how am I going to do that? So all of these questions come up. Do I have time? Do I know how to do this? For me, the factors that aligned in terms of starting a podcast was this email that popped into my inbox from one of the bosses at WNYC where I was working. Again, I was just a reporter in the newsroom at this time, and this email shows up that says, hey, we want new show ideas. If you work in this building, we want to hear from you. We're having a contest. Give us your idea. We're going to let the finalists pilot their idea. So basically, this was this invitation from the universe to finally spend some time, get clear on if I were really going to make a podcast, this urge that I had, what would it be? And that's how I came up with Death, Sex, and Money. And you can see it might be a little small for those of you in the back. The first question was really important that they asked, that the bosses at WNYC asked. They just said in fewer than 300 words, what's the elevator pitch for this show? What's it about? 
Why do we care? Why will it be successful? And so this made me really spend time and think about what was it that I really wanted to do? Why was this missing in the podcasting landscape? How would it be successful? Who would host it? Me. I just put myself forward. Um, and I said, you know, I kind of given my experience in 2012 and 2013, I had this sense that like there was this hunger for this kind of show. I said, I think it'll hit a chord because these are questions we care most about dealing with death, sex and money and a lot of places where we need community in navigating modern adulthood. So that was the idea. I sent it off to the bosses and then positive. It's happening. <laughs> I get to pilot my podcast. Dream come true. And it's terrifying because when you learn all of a sudden that this thing that you sort of wished you could do and, you know, in the back of your mind, it's happening, but it takes a while before it's actually happening. So here I was pregnant. And when you're pregnant, you are growing this thing you sort of have an idea of what the inputs are, but you don't know how they're all fitting together. You're not sure, quite seriously, you're not sure if it's viable. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of wondering, is this actually what I wanted? I hope this is what I wanted because now it's actually happening. And again, it's hard work. <laughs> and it can feel a little isolating when you're in that phase of gestating this idea, this piloting phase. It's, it's isolating because you don't know what you're doing. No one else can cut the tape or book the interview for you if it's coming from you. But you're experimenting. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to see what works. You're playing things for people. Uh, and it's scary because you're putting yourself out there. You're saying, I want to do this. I'm doing this now, but you don't know if it's going to work. If you've been listening to the second season of Podcast Movement Sessions from the beginning, then you know we've been talking with Jared Easley, one of the founders of Podcast Movement, about how Podcast Movement first came into being, their beginnings. When last we left them, they had finally convinced John Lee Dumas not to speak at the first year of Podcast Movement, but just to show up and then allow them to promote the event using his name, that he was going to be there. John was gracious. And once we started telling people this, I'll never forget this, Joel. This is one of the biggest takeaways, I think, from this whole story. Again, this is my version of it. There'll be other people who have different versions. But when John Dumas said, hey, I'm in, and we started telling people John Dumas is in, and they saw his picture on the Kickstarter, that's when everybody else conveniently, I'm using the word convenient, they conveniently decided, oh, well, I want to speak too. <laughs> this is a good opportunity for me to remind you that the openings for you to speak at Podcast Movement are now open. Go to podcastmovement.com and find the speaker submission. Now, it's a little different this year in that there are going to be sessions for all different levels of podcaster as far as experience goes. There are also going to be different tracks depending upon what part of podcasting or the industry surrounding it that you are actually a part of and speaking to. So make sure you read all the details, but get your submission in soon. And the best part, if you register for Podcast Movement now, you can get the lowest prices. If you get approved to be a speaker, they'll refund your full price after the fact. So don't wait. All right, what happened next, Jared? So, so up until getting John to agree to it, we were having trouble with that. But once he agreed, everybody wanted in. And that's when we were like, okay, there's something going on here. 
Cliff Ravenscraft ultimately came back to us. He ended up wanting to be a part of it. He ended up being our closing keynote that year. We ran the Kickstarter campaign, and kind of the rest is history. We had never done that campaign, but it was a successful campaign. We thought, you know, we need at least $10,000 to prove the concept. We raised over thirty. And while $30,000 isn't enough to do a conference, it was enough to get started. And that's when we started figuring out, well, how do we sell sponsorships? How do we sell exhibit spots? How do we sell tickets? Started learning what we didn't know, figuring it out as we went. And year one, you know, what we thought, wow, it'd be great to have 200 people. Uh, we started out with a small little tiny venue. <laughs> we ended up outgrowing that. We outgrew the second venue. We went through two venues before we landed on the final venue for that first conference, Joel. And we ended up having 600 people that first year. Let's get back to more from Anna Sale. Another thing I thought a lot about during p- piloting was moving from radio to podcasting. I was like, oh my gosh, it's been automatic that people would hear my stories. If they're driving in their car, if they're making dinner and have the radio on, my work gets heard. Podcasting, you have to make the argument for someone to go find your show, press play, and spend their time listening to you. And I didn't know how to do that. Uh, In pregnancy, the way I made things grow, (laughs) true story, baby was a little underweight, then I had an ice cream diet time, baby got better. (laughs) The way you make podcasts grow, there are lots of different ways. This is one surefire way, Ira. And this is actually really key. I didn't understand quite what was happening. I knew it would be a good thing if one of the early episodes of Death, Sex, and Money showed up on This American Life. I knew that was like, that would be a huge life achievement, and it would be really a good way to like come out of the gate. So we pitched this episode with Alan Simpson and Ann Simpson and me to to This American Life. They took it. And so we ended up scheduling our launch of our podcast for when the episode was going to run on This American Life. But what we found, it was really interesting. You know, This American Life comes out on the radio over the weekends, and then the podcast comes out. And you could see, you know, people hear about my show. Ira says, go find it. It's for free on iTunes. I'm, I'm like crying in my living room, hearing Ira Glass talk about my new show on the radio. But when we really saw the growth in the podcast was when the podcast of This American Life came out. So again, getting mentioned on other podcasts is really key to growth. Because it makes sense if you're mentioned on the radio or if you're in a magazine article, it doesn't mean someone's necessarily holding their phone and going to immediately go and hit subscribe. But when they're listening to one of their podcasts that they love, they hear the mention of your show, they're much more likely to go, I'm going to go check that out, subscribe, and then you see your numbers go up. So that's what I was thinking about as I'm piloting. What is this? How is it going to find an audience? And then all of a sudden... It's here. The moment. My dream has come true. I have a podcast. It is out there in the world. I did it. And then I find out my new baby is a bottomless pit of need. So that is how the sixth way that having a podcast is like having a baby. You have to ask for help. In the case of having my baby, Jasmine, our first labor delivery nurse, she offered us amazing help. She taught my husband, Arthur, now husband, Arthur, how to change a diaper, how to bathe the baby. She taught me how to nurse. She just was there with us, showing us the most basics of parenting 
on her 12-hour shift. It was amazing. Thank you, labor and delivery nurses. Death, sex, and money. This is just part of the team that helps me. This top picture are folks that we worked with last summer. That's Emily Botine, my editor, Benjamin Franklin, and Rachel Aronoff, who is in the room somewhere, our interns last summer. There's me and Katie Bishop, a producer on the show been holding our great tote bags. It's me and Katie Bishop and Chester Jesus Soria who joined the team late last year. And this is what has been really essential to getting the show out and to growing it is to have other people to bounce story ideas off of, to do booking, to do editing, to do social media, to do the really important work of engaging with listeners who write in, to do live events. And of course, there's all the other work of promotions and, and artwork like our logo that we rely on the WNYC team, the WNYC studios team to help us with. And we also have really relied on listeners in a way that I didn't expect. So that's the seventh way that pod, hosting a podcast is like having a baby. You have to pay attention to feedback. This is my father with Arthur and our new baby. <laughs> this is him showing just how to hold the baby when it's swaddled just so. I love this picture. The, the feedback thing is kind of an interesting thing because we all know when you're hosting a podcast, you're putting your life's work, you're putting the thing that you care the most about out onto the internet, which can be a dangerous place. It can be a mean place. It can be particularly difficult for women. And that's what you have to do. You gotta put yourself out there. So that's why those 300 words when I was pitching the show were really important to start was because it grounded me in, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to achieve. But as feedback started to come in from listeners, there was some really important stuff along with the kind of internet comments that you wanna ignore and never think about and not let them get in the back of your head late at night. The things that they see that you don't see, that you didn't know that you were doing, the things they hear that you didn't hear when you were putting the episode together. And it really showed us in the team of Death, Sex and Money that we're not making this show alone, that the listeners who are responding really have things that they wanna share, have things that they wanna hear about. And so this gets to the best part about having a baby and hosting a podcast for me. Because as it grows, you clarify and focus on the values that you wanna amplify out in the world. You have to think really hard about what it is you are doing by growing this thing. And it's enormously gratifying. It's an enormous sense of purpose. I wanna, little asterisk, you don't have to have a kid. You don't have to host a podcast to feel that sense of purpose. But for me, it's been so cool to get to see my style reflected back at me. This is baby, 4th of July, in her cowboy hat. And also the values in the show, and which also happen to be the values that I want to teach as a parent, which are empathy, curiosity, humility, honesty. It's really important, honest, like going right at those hard truths, all of which are really what make up listening, what make up that sense of connection. The ninth way that podcasting, hosting a podcast and having a baby are alike is it can be also really fun. It's not all these dark things. Um, and one really cool thing that we did in the last year was, again, I was having a baby. I was also moving cross country. I was undergoing all this big life change. And so we asked our listeners 
to send us the songs that they have blasted on their stereos when they're in moments of big transition. And we created a Spotify playlist. We called it our Anthems of Change playlist. And it was everything from Janelle Monet to Journey to, you know, everything. Just the songs that get you pumped and make you feel like you can overcome anything. And this, the playlist was so good. Then we said, I wonder if people will send us dance videos <laughs> of themselves engaging with their Anthem of Change. And they did. Hi, Anna. I'm going through some transitions. I have a lot of uncertainty in my life. Big changes. And part of what got me through was music. We got married a year and a half ago, and now we're getting a divorce. I like Mary Lambert's song, Secrets, so damn much because growing up in the South, we were always taught not to air out your dirty laundry. We is dysfunctional, but we have a good time killing My sister and I used to have dance parties all the time growing up, and we've actually started doing them again since I've lived here, and life has been so upside down. Well, I'm over it. I love that. I love that we said, uh, video yourselves dancing to the song that's been really important to you. And people did. And they sent it to us. And that gets to the 10th way that having a baby is like hosting a podcast. It grows and it changes. And you just go with it. It's cool to see what you can do as you build your audience, as you build that sense of community. I never thought when I was pitching the show and those 300 words that... Two and a half years later, people would be sending dance videos to me. I thought I was just going to be hosting an inter interview show. And then all of a sudden, we have this really cool other way that we're connecting. And that's what I think is so cool and specific about podcasting versus radio or other ways of engaging with an audience. You're really forging a relationship with your listeners. And... They're going to stick with you as the show grows and changes because you have that bond together. If you as a host listen to your listeners, they hear themselves in the show and it feels like it's a place that's really alive and vital and changing. And here's another way that a relationship has continued as the show has been out in the world. That's Alan Ann Simpson just a few weeks ago meeting the baby for the first time. I love that picture. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money. And please check us out at DeathSexMoney.org. Thank you again for having me. Hey! In 2017, podcast movement is hitting the road as we make our way to the West Coast. Spend some of your summer with us at the beautiful Anaheim Marriott in Anaheim, California. Join us August 23rd through the 25th as Podcast Movement does it better than ever. We'll once again have amazing featured speakers and all of your best podcaster friends from all around the world. All that's missing is you. Register today and we'll see you in California. Since Podcast Movement started in 2014, it would be hard to count all the podcasts that have been started because of attending these events. One podcaster that got their start at Podcast Movement 2015 
is Nina Babel. Hi, I'm Nina Babel, and I am the host of the Keep It 100 Girl podcast. So my first exposure to podcasts is back in 2009. The first podcast that I listened to was on my iPod, and it's called The Nutrition Divas Quick and Dirty Tips for Eating Well. I decided to launch my podcast after attending Podcast Movement. So this would have been in 2015. I love, love, love the social aspect of it, whether it's in person or just on social media. Everyone in this community is so friendly. And when it comes to information sharing, it's second nature. We've all started from the same place. That's the bond we have in common. It's been a great support system for me, whether it was before, during, or after I launched my podcast. It's critical to be involved in meetups or conferences like Podcast Movement because it's a great form of networking. You know, if you are that person who is shy, you need to break out of that mold because you will find a community of like-minded people. You learn about all the industry trends. Um, You're looking at the latest and greatest from vendors in the podcasting community. It's a perfect place to be social. And you learn new ways to reinvent your show and improve your content. So let's be honest. While starting a podcast is a lot of heavy lifting, There's no comparison to giving birth. But just like bringing that new baby home from the hospital, launching a podcast can lead to all sorts of opportunities. Listen to this story from the host of the Get Empowered podcast, Judith Registe. Or, well, I'll let her say it. It's much prettier when she does. I'm Judith Registe, founder of Inclusive, an organization that focuses on using stories to amplify and redefine the narrative that shapes social justice, policies, and international development. I am also the host of the Get Empowered podcast, which amplifies the stories of individuals fostering community through, again, our shared humanity. I am originally from Haiti. I grew up in the U.S., and I've been working on international development issues across Africa, Asia, Latin America. I have lived in over... Eight countries. I've traveled in over 50 different countries. The podcast for me, as I was sort of going through this transition of my life, trying to figure out where I wanted my next contribution to be. And I found it inclusivist because one of the things I found was that some of the biggest challenges facing development and social justice and poverty, poverty reduction issues are strongly linked to the fact that people are not using their own voices to shape how resources are being allocated to impact and influence their lives. And I felt very strongly about that because I started my career with the idea that I could be the voice for the voiceless. And over the past 20 years, I've realized that, you know, the challenge with poverty is the fact that we are waiting for you know, to come in and rescue people. But if we create resources and make these resources available to everyone, we are all in a better position to actually transform our own lives. So I'm really committed to um, helping create space and environment where we all get to be, you know, the protagonist of our own story. That's really, for me, 
the source and the motivation for why I started Inclusivist. The podcast for me was really a great opportunity to work across uh, communities. While blog is a great way to communicate issues, not everyone, you know, have the time to read. And even when people read, they actually skim through it. You know, the journey has been one of learning the technical side, which, you know, it's not something I really don't expect myself to be very good at, but my voice and my understanding of the issues and my passion for the issues is really the thing that's going to take me and build my podcast to the next level. So last Thursday, January 19th, I launched my podcast and it was an extraordinary day because on that day of launching my podcast, I went to a gala at the African American Museum and I left early. And as fate would have it, I got into a shuttle with the Senator of New Jersey, Senator Cory Booker. And I'm always looking for a way to promote my podcast, but also to promote the issues that are important for us all. And I started talking to him about my podcast, about, you know, what's ahead for us in terms of social justice, what's ahead for us in this new democracy is the fact that it's time for citizens to re-engage and to really get involved and be responsible for the issues and understanding the policies and the institutions that impact their lives. And he was very moved by what I was doing with the podcast. I showed him the artwork and he was like, ah, this is really nice. This is really pretty. You know, we were about to get off the shuttle and the shuttle was really just me, him and one of his aides. And I said to him, I have a request to make. And he's like, what, do you want me to promote your podcast? I'm like, yeah. And also, I want you to be on my show. And so I'm really excited that, you know, had I not had the podcast, which I have been talking to people about for a long time, had I not launched the podcast on that day, I would have not had the opportunity. And I travel and I move across a lot of interesting people. And I've been telling people about this idea for quite some time. And last week, to have had the opportunity to tell Senator Cory Booker about my podcast and to ask him to join and be part of this and support and promote my podcast was an extraordinary day. Now, next step is following up with his assistant because he pointed me to his assistant who's going to make this happen. So I am so geek about what's ahead for this podcast and what's ahead for really creating a platform for engaging on issues in a way that brings the heart, the passion, the humanity that I think connects us all and story has the greatest potential to do that. You know, to see it, I mean, you, you came in, I believe in uh, Fort Worth and, and to see the jump from 600 to what it was in Fort Worth and then to what it's now uh, was in Chicago to what it could be in Anaheim. I mean, it, it is definitely a movement, I, I think, and, and just an exciting thing to see the community uh, come together and um, exciting things that are happening in podcasting. So that's a long story, but that's that's my version of how this thing started. Whether you're looking for the beginning of your podcast or a whole new beginning for your podcasting journey, Podcast Movement is the place to be. Join us on Facebook in the Podcast Movement group and then join us in Anaheim in August for Podcast Movement 2017. At the top of the show, I mentioned that we have a speaker announcement for you. Well, if you've been following Podcast Movement on Facebook or Twitter, you've probably already heard, but if not, the hardcore historian himself, Dan Carlin, is finally coming to Podcast Movement 2017 
in Anaheim. Or, more accurately, I guess podcast movement is coming to him since he's a West Coaster. Dan Carlin is the host of Hardcore History. You can hear him speak live, and trust me, Dan doesn't speak anywhere at Podcast Movement 2017 in Anaheim. My special thanks this episode to Anna Sale, Judith Regist, Nina Babel, and Jared Easley. We'll be back in two weeks with more great sessions from Podcast Movement 2016. Until then, I'm going to rock a baby. The Podfather is out. Podfather is out.